God's word today, let us turn to Isaiah chapter 43, verse 21. The people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Again, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. And then let us turn to Romans chapter 14, verses 7 to 9. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Verse 9, again. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Amen. God is the God who exists for himself. God is the God who exists for himself. God is the God who exists for himself. For himself. For himself, he created all things. And for himself. For his own sake, he will surely keep his covenants that he made, as it says in Isaiah chapter 28, 11. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do this. So those who believe in this fact are those who, whether they live or die, belong to the Lord, as we just read. And it says, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. And those who live as such will return to the Lord. He will allow such to return to him, Romans 11:36. that for from him and through him and for him are all things, to him be the glory forever. So today we are talking about the God who exists for himself. In the Korean language, the, this specific term is a bit difficult to understand, um, but it means the God who exists for himself. Uh, the characters mean for self exist, meaning uh, the God the one who exists for himself and God who exists for himself. So this is a, a very difficult uh, title uh, to grasp and also a difficult topic, but this is something we have to ingrain from the start. Even though it's difficult, we have to ingrain this and we have to plant this so that we may know correctly who God is and correctly serve him and also correctly receive his promises so let us listen carefully our faith is to believe that god is god who exists for himself meaning that all things were created by him through him and for him that through uh him um by him and for him all things were created that through the god who exists for himself all things were created um it says this in various places that it was by him for him through him for his sake when he created all creatures all things it was not for humans to be happy or for them to live forever uh, i'm sorry but that was not uh the main purpose or intent but it as we just read um, and mentioned it was for himself for his sake and believing this is what faith is now those who believe and have this faith their faith life is to live for the Lord so live for the Lord and die for the Lord so whether we live or die we belong to the Lord 
The reason for this is so that we may all return to Him, so that all things will return to Him. So, and uh, when, where is that? If we return to Him, where where do we come from? We came from God, so we must return to God, to His bosom. Today, I will be talking about the God who exists for Himself and about I who belong to the Lord. When we talk about this, it's not pleasant to hear, especially for the generation today, the Generation Z. It's all about meism. It's about me, 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 me. All they know is themselves. And it would be okay if it was just the young, but even the adults have this meism, knowing only themselves for themselves. The Bible says it is. For the Lord and whether you live or die it is for the Lord but there are people out there who have been coming to church for years but are only about themselves a long time ago during my time I had five siblings then two died and my husband had 12 siblings and five survived but the rest passed away so there were a lot of births and all siblings were tr treated the same. They were just one of them. It, it, the mindset was to just keep them alive. So, um, so common names given to them were ketong. And when raising kids, um, so if they they're treated preciously and they die early, um, they treat them like they're not as precious, and that's why they were given this name. So, um, so at time passed people then wanted only one child um, a daughter or son and after birth they put lots of effort into keeping them alive so their family name won't end and they carried them for 10 months and then after birth to keep the child alive they would raise them like a prince or princess thus these kids are only about themselves they don't need friends or parents they don't need nation, and that is why enlistment in the army is decreasing worldwide, and especially in impoverished nations. They value and desire to have a son, for a male is seen as growing and providing for the household and maintaining the family line, continuing, continuing the family line. Um, then in some countries, we see that there is a one-child policy, even. And if they give birth to a daughter, then they may not register this child until they have a son. So some children are hidden and left without going to school at the correct age. And it's just a miserable life they have thereafter. Also in these households, some of you may know a saying where your children are everything. They're most precious. It's all about your child, the well-being of your child. So you provide for them and do everything you can for their success. You let them do what they want. You let them go to parties, to these gatherings. And even in our church, I hear of this happening because your child is your everything. So now this day is not for the Lord, but it's for your child. But 
God is God who exists for himself. And as ones who believe that, this is not doing according to God's way. And it is uh, life deceiving yourselves. So as you raise your child in this way, now this child um, may be deceived, thinking that everything is about himself. So when plowing on farmland, the farmer removes the stones and rocks and they plow the field and fertilize it. So you may think, so the field now thinks, wow, the farmer loves me because he's making me clean and fertile. But then you find out the farmer sows grass seeds. So now the seeds think, wow, the farmer plowed and watered the field for me. Then the grass thinks, wow, it's for me that he's doing all this and um, putting in all this effort for me to grow. But then later uh, the grass grows and then a cow appears and the cow eats the grass. So the grass is like, I, hey, I thought this was all for me, the water and the fertilizer, but now it was for the cow. And the cow is like, yes, moo, it was for me. So now the cow is deceived, thinking that everything was for him and prepared for him. And so the cow is healthy and growing. But now a day has come. What day? The, the day the farmer's son is getting married. It's his wedding day and the whole village is gathered. And what do they do to the cow? So... The farmer's intent and interest, what was it for? It was for the sun. Everything was for the sun. So likewise with God, everything is for the sun and for his glory. And for that, God created all things in heaven and on earth, whether visible or invisible. All things, all things were created for who? They were created for God himself, meaning for his son. And we have to lay this foundation so that we may not be deceived. The deception of creatures is to leave one's proper position, not knowing one's proper position and leaving it. And that leads to their downfall. And as we read in Isaiah, the opening verse, the people I formed for myself, the people I formed for myself, the people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise so God said for myself for my sake um, in other versions it says for my sake um, it's mentioned several times that he created all things for my sake for myself so that through it uh, he, God may receive praise now the method in which we approach and look at the Bible, what kind of thinking must we have? We learn this. It is the Hebrew way of thinking. The Hebrew way of thinking. So when we look at the Bible in this way, then we must understand that all things were for God. And that is therefore to have a God-centered faith, God-centered faith, meaning that everything was for God, that 
there is this purpose there's this purpose and the purpose was for God so when we look at the Bible we ought to have on our minds that God has done all this all these works for himself so whatever event or incident they all had a purpose which is for himself for his own sake uh, further for his son and this is how we ought to look at the Bible but there is barely anyone who looks at the Bible in a God-centered way rather it's um, human-centered there are very popular or famous pastors who initially may have begun with God-centered preaching but uh, for God for the Lord but then we see that they have changed to be human-centered for humans and we see that in their teachings and their preaching they uh, it's very human-centered it's for human uh, they and what they do preach about is they emphasize the development of the character of the person to be self-sacrificial and to love one another and when they preach about this stuff the members are like wow our pastor is so wise but then if the pastor talks about living for the Lord or dying for the Lord then they'll think that the pastor is so extreme and will consider him as some cult leader but as I just mentioned who is God God is God who exists for himself that for himself he created for himself he did all things and in this process of everything being for himself mankind was created do you understand so we're just some extras basically it's okay if we're here and it's also okay if we're not and that is this life that we live but somehow somehow we received grace and we're sitting here today Amen. Hallelujah. So in order to save mankind, God sent his son to die in our place. Yes, that's 100% correct. But there is another purpose that takes priority. Um, if the purpose of sending his son, only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to the world to die on the cross, such a miserable death, if that purpose was for the salvation of mankind, then it makes sense that he should not have he should have not made hell in the first place then he wouldn't have to save mankind he could have created mankind or the garden of eden in the spiritual heaven so why was there the tree of the knowledge of good and evil why was there the serpent why was there the command to not eat are questions that would arise if that was his purpose so this was to show that that wasn't his main purpose and rather the purpose that takes priority the main object objective was for himself for his son and in the process of fulfilling all that was the salvation and eternal life for mankind that was included in this plan in the process so when God created he first created the spiritual heaven and why did he create the spiritual heaven it was not so that he would take mankind there but it was created so that he would place his name so that the name of God would be placed there to receive praise and glory and that is why he created the spiritual heaven 
Second Chronicles 2.4 mentions this, that uh, build a temple for the name of the Lord, uh, that this temple will contain the name of the Lord, and it was all for the praise, of, to give him praise. Secondly, he created the angels who are ministering spirits, giving, given the role to praise God, so servants to praise God. Despite their role and function, though God alone was to be praised and lifted up, there was one who became proud and wanted to become like God and wanted to be one who was praised himself. God found this detestable in his eyes and that is why he created the universe to contain this angel. So if he had not created this angel in this way, if he created the angel as a robot to not have such a, to develop such heart or mind, this defiling heart to become like God, then that would not have happened. But why did God create the angel to have this free will, uh, dual will, and why did he create him so beautifully and uh, handsome and talented? So that's why this angel received the compliments and praises and became proud as a result. You may ask why, but everything was for a purpose, that all this was part of the process, not the result. The result would be for God alone to be lifted up, that he alone is the one to be lifted up, and that through that, his son would also be lifted up, and that was the purpose. That is why the defiance of the angel was not a set back of God's plan it was a part of it and also the disobedience of the ancestor Adam in the garden of Eden was not a setback it was also according to the plan of God that when he ate the forbidden fruit God was not like oh how could you eat the fruit and be deceived by the devil I didn't know you would do that I shouldn't have created you God did not say that rather right after he ate the fruit in Genesis 3:15. He said that the offspring of the woman will crush your head. So this was a, uh, he mentioned, he announced the offspring of the woman. So God was not disappointed or worried or concerned. But right after he uh, announced that the offspring of the woman would appear and he would crush your head. Uh, so nothing can survive, no animal can survive after being crushed in the head. So this was God's plan to condemn the devil, which was proclaimed right after the event in the Garden of Eden. For all this all happened according to God's plan. When the archangel had this heart, it was as if finally this unrighteousness was revealed and finally unfolding according to his plan. So when Adam sinned and uh, into him sin entered, death entered, and uh, the, the devil became the ruler of death, all was according to God's plan. And that is why he immediately prophesied about the offspring of the woman who would appear and who would be the one to crush uh, your he his head. That this is what he said to the serpent. That this was the plan he had already had set up and when, um, so he already set up this plan and when the time was right, he pressed that button. 
So like, when you send off a ship, you set up all that needs to be set up and then you press the button and the ship goes to sea. So like that, God pressed the button for everything else to unfold. So now we're preaching and I'm preaching in our way and since we have taken Logos, I believe that all of you understand. So after Adam sinned, he was banished from the garden and what did God see in him that he clothed them in garments of skin, in leather garments? This was to signify that with these leather skins, you will return to me. You will return to me, meaning they will return to the Lord. How and with wearing what? With the leather skins, you will be wearing the leather skins. And for leather skins, there needs to be death and there needs to be blood. Death and blood. Whose death and whose blood? It would be of the son, of the offspring of the woman who would come. So through the death of the son and his blood, they would be wearing these leather skins made from the death of the son and of his blood. And this was a foreshadow of that. Now for all this to be fulfilled, in the process, he chose the people of Israel who were called to be the people of Jehovah. It says, I chose the people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. And for them to praise the Lord, then there needed to be an event for them to praise him. So that is why there was the event of the Passover of the 10 plagues. The last one was the death of every firstborn and only the houses which had the blood of the lamb on their doorposts, the angel of death, the spirit of death passed over and their sons were spared. And after that, they were liberated. They left Egypt and arrived at the Red Sea. Then Moses, he parted the sea and they were able to cross it on dry land. So miracle after miracle after miracle, they witnessed and experienced and were so surprised and excited and thankful and filled. So for the first time through their mouths, they praised the name of Jehovah. Hallelujah. That was the great Exodus. Exodus 15, 1 to mentions that they would forever praise the Lord Jehovah. The history of Israel was that of wars and battles. They engaged in battles with the people in the land of Canaan and also with the Philistines. Is it because why were there so many battles? Uh, wars? Is it because God loves war? No, but it was so that through these wars and through their, uh, through this, they would shout unto him and call unto him and be led to praise God. The Israelite army was very weak and the people in Canaan and neighboring countries were warriors and strong, but the Israelites were constantly engaged in wars and battles with them and they would call unto uh, the Lord uh, and there was an instance where they were told to sing to the Lord and praise him. And strangely, the, uh, the enemies were defeated and even destroyed one another of their own. So 
even in wars and battles where they could not possibly win by praising the Lord Jehovah they were able to see victory and this was the history of Israel now after they became settled they, they built the temple Solomon's father David made the land very uh, prosperous and flourishing and they became a very great nation a very strong nation and after that Solomon built with the materials that his father gathered a very great temple and he uh, said I undertook great projects I built houses for myself and planted vineyards I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them that he did all these things for himself uh, and uh, he continues to list um, these things and and then he says I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me that he built and enjoyed the pleasures and lived such a life enjoying but in the end what was his confession when we say Solomon what comes to mind everything is meaningless meaningless every toil under the sun is meaningless that he enjoyed the pleasures but he then later realized he ages and despite whatever pleasures he experienced and however much he flourished and built up that the fact of life is that you age and then you die and it ends and that such life was empty and meaningless and in vain then we later see that Solomon he married foreign wives who brought with them their gods and this uh, really uh, disappointed uh, God but as uh, David had found favor with God he left Solomon to be as there was a promise that he would not lay his hand uh, during Solomon's time so then we see the punishment received by the next generation with Re Rehoboam and Jeroboam where their nation was divided and divided and split into the north and south with and with foreign gentile nations coming in and taking taking them captive resulting in the loss of their sovereignty and their people being taken as captives those returning and those not so in the midst of this downfall they they still held on to this hope that the messiah would come and that their nation this kingdom of david would be restored and when the time came god sent his son jesus christ jesus christ the christ the messiah who was promised to come came but no one recognized him no one recognized that he was the messiah uh, he was the christ except john the baptist who received revelation and was inspired as a prophet he introduced Jesus to the world and to those who misunderstood John to be the Messiah or the Christ he said I am not the Christ but the one who comes after me will be the Christ uh, for he has power and uh, he is the Messiah to come so John only introduced and paved the way for Jesus to come then Jesus appeared uh, before the temple and what 
did he say? He said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. This temple was what kind of temple? What this temple was to remind the people of Israel of was Jehovah. That Jehovah is what God? That he is the God who exists for himself. That for myself, for my own sake, I created all things. For myself, I chose the people of Israel. For myself, I gave wars and victory to the people of Israel. And for myself, everything that happened in my schedule, my dispensation was for God himself, for myself. So people of Israel, do not be deceived. It's not for you, the Jews. Now the Jews to this day believe that God chose their people to be his eternal people to live and establish this eternal kingdom and that is why we see this conflict in Palestine for they believe God chose them that Jehovah is their God their king but with Jesus' coming it marked the end of this era for Jehovah was the God of the flesh the God of the flesh of the people of Israel so the God of Israel was the God of flesh and if they kept the law well then their flesh would live long and they would uh, be kept they would be given longevity their flesh would be kept it was for the flesh now this era in which the God of the flesh reigned and had come to an end but now I have come Jesus Christ the Son of God the God who came from the bosom of God, the God who exists for himself had come, for he is also the God who exists for himself. Amen? Jesus said he came from the Father, uh, God, but in the eyes of men, he was just like any other man. However, Jesus is God, the Word who came as man, who came as who like man came into this limited space with the limitations of the flesh limited in power and like man and that is why people saw him as just any man but to believe that he is the God who exists for himself that was very difficult but for himself he would work and the work that he performed was not for the flesh but it was for the soul for the souls of all nations and it would not be by the law but it would be by the truth that he would let uh would reign so to the soul to the soul he gave freedom and to the soul he gave life and to the soul he gave the chance to enter eternal life for that he came with the attribute of god for he is in essence god and it was to do the work that is associated with the soul. And that is why he said, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And when he, uh, in John chapter 8, 32, John eight fourteen, he said, even if I testify on my own behalf, uh, my testimony is valid. That I will testify about myself that for myself I will testify and my testimony is true so the words that Jesus spoke were not his words but they were the words of God the words of the father 
the words of the God who exists for himself. And as he would speak the words of the God who exists for himself is why he said his words are true and his testimony is true. And it would be God who speaks, but people did not recognize that. He said, the words that the Son of Man speaks, the words that the Son of Man speaks, you are not to hear it as the words of man, but they are the words of the Father, the words of the God who exists for himself. The words of the Father and my words are true. Many times he emphasized that he spoke the words of the Father, and if they received his words, then in them they would have life, meaning they will have eternal life. But the people could not accept this because he claimed to be the creator who was before their ancestor Abraham. The Jews could not tolerate the statement or accept him, and so they captured him to deliver him to death. When Jesus died, what did he say? He said, it is finished. And what did he finish? So why did he die? John chapter 10, 18. He said, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. So the Son of God, Jesus, the Son of Man, he came as man, but he is an essence God. He is the God who exists for himself. And so for himself, he can lay down his life and for himself, he can take it up again. That for myself, I lay it down and for myself, I take it up again. That for myself, I lay it down and for myself, I take it up again. Meaning that he is the God who exists for himself. That for myself, I lay it down and for myself, I take it up again. How and why? If he does according to the command of the Father and he obeys the Father's command, then he can take up his life again. John 10, 18, this verse acknowledges that the Father is a God who exists for himself and he can do as he desires, that he can put to death and he can uh, 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 let live. And, and it also means that he, the Son, can lay down his life and take it up again. Hallelujah. So he died according to the command of the Father. And Philippians chapter 2, 6 to 8 describes this very well. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He in nature is God. He in essence is God. He is equal with God. Equal with God, the holy God, the everlasting God. And he is God. He is the son who is equal uh, with the father rather he did he did not consider equality with god something to be used to his own advantage that god the father is the head of authority there is no way for him to be lowered but he 
but he is God. But he himself, for himself, would humble himself. That he would lower himself. So it's a little difficult. So for himself, meaning for myself, I do this. That for myself, I will lower myself. It's not because God told him to or forced him to. But the father is the one who can say, for myself, I send my son to death. For he will raise him back up again. And the son is also one who can say, for myself, I lay down my life. And for myself, I would become obedient to the command of the father, obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father to give glory to God the Father. So the will of God. Why did God create all things? Why did God create angels? And why did God create man? Why among men did he choose Adam, the ancestor of all mankind, and for him to disobey? Why did he choose later the people of Israel and make them his people and why did he give them the law all of this was for what to fulfill what that all this all this dispensation of god this dispensation was for what what was it for for putting the son to death amen hallelujah without the law the son would not have been able to be put to death so again why did God create the spiritual heaven? Why did he create angels? The, the angel disobeyed and challenged God. And because uh, of the angel, man sinned. There was sin and there was death. And because of that, there was this event in the Garden of Eden. And then why did God choose the people of Israel as his people? So that through his people, he would be praised. And not only that, but also... That through the law he gave his people, he would bring the son to death. Amen. So when Jesus Christ died on the cross, it was all this plan, the dispensation being fulfilled. Dispensation meant for who? Through the death of the son, this would bring glory to God the Father. And all creatures would confess that he is the Lord. It was to give glory to God the Father. Hallelujah. And all this was fulfilled. Oh my gosh. God who exists for himself is that difficult so this is very difficult to explain but it is so exact and accurate and if you understand this you truly have the god-centered faith in theological studies they believe and they teach that god sent his son to die on the cross to give salvation to mankind shed his blood and let them have eternal life so that they be made children of God and give, be given eternal life. So God is love. He is love. But that's it. God is love. That's it. But that's not it. Yes, that is true. But out of the three reasons, the primary... So of the death of the son, the, out of the three reasons, the primary objective he fulfilled was to give glory to God the Father. And second... With his death, he judged the devil. And third, with 
his death through the Son, he would save all mankind. Amen? All this was fulfilled the moment Jesus died on the cross. And that is why he is God who exists for himself. That for myself, all things were completed. Amen? We must have this faith. So people may ask, why did he have to die? But our lives... Um, just as Jesus Christ died on the cross, we must have these three purposes. Uh, first, which is to glorify the Father. Second, is to overcome the fight with the devil. And third, is for our soul to be saved. Amen? Amen, hallelujah. So he completed all this. He redeemed all mankind. He shed his blood and sprinkled it into the souls of all mankind so that they may have the qualification to serve the Lord as his servants. Then he resurrected, and why did he resurrect? In order to become the Lord of both the dead and the living. The Lord of both the dead and the living. The Lord of both the dead and the living. Now he sits on the throne as one who judges the, death, the dead and the living, and he is the Lord. Um, the throne on which he sits is the throne of the Lamb. And... The lamb signifies that he bears the marks of being slain, of being put to death. Does that mean that when you go to heaven, you'll see God in the figure of a lamb? No, it means that he bears the marks of being put to death, having his pierced hands inside. And when it says that he is the lamb on the throne, it means that he came in the image and form that is less than angels as angels do not have flesh they aren't as limited however as he came in the limited flesh it gave him the condition to die and it was through this death by submitting to the command of the father god by the death of his flesh it says, you made them a little lower than the angels who crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. Hebrews 2, 7 to 8 says this. That you crowned them. You made them lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. So who is Jesus? For all things came from him, through him, and for him. Amen. Then he sent the Holy Spirit. So this may be a lot to take in, but try to focus. So now the Holy Spirit lets us know this, that Jesus Christ is who? That he is the one from whom all things came, through him and for him. So he is the one from whom all things came, through him and for him. In other words, he is the God who exists for himself. Do you believe that? Amen? So it's all in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 8, 6, it mentions this. Now, Christians who believe this, those who believe this are Christians. First, they have to welcome this will of God. They must warmly welcome this will of God that the purpose of creating all things, the spiritual heaven and the angels and mankind, the purpose was for who? For who? For God. Yes, but for the Son to die, obey his command so that he may be glorified. Do you understand? So what kind of God would send his son to die such a miserable death on the cross and that through his death he would be glorified? 
There are many pastors who say they can't believe in such God. When I used to have the Zoe conferences in Korea, we would have logos there as well. And there uh, in Korea, there were um, logos. There were pastors who would attend for years, but then later say that they cannot accept such God. That how can God be a God who would send his son to die for his own sake, for himself, for his glory? And they would say they can't that they would say that God is love. How can he do that to his son? But it's right in the Bible. By defying this, they are not acknowledging the authority of God, that God can do anything for himself and for himself, that for myself, I can put to death and for myself, I can let live. And we have to acknowledge this to have a God-centered faith. That is why I think God is just so amazing. That because he is God, he can do this. And because he is God, he created all things and he can do whatever he wants. So when you have chickens, then you kill the chickens for food. So have you ever had chicks? I, I've had chicks. We, I, we had a lot of chicks and we'd uh, give one to each of our siblings and um, we would uh, give uh, water and food to the chicks we were responsible for. So, the, um, so we would have this competition with our siblings, but the result was for them to grow and for us to eat. The chicks may think, oh, how? How could you? I thought you loved me and that's why you were giving me water and giving me food because you love me. But no, you're just a chicken. So when God created all things, he can do whatever he desires. He can use mankind to judge the devil. But it didn't just end with that. He, he overcame the ruler of death with death. But that was not the end. There was blood, blood. He shed his blood and now this blood enters the souls of mankind for them to be redeemed, cleansed, forgiven, to be born again as children of God, as to be able to go to the Father's house in heaven. Hallelujah. So the function of death and blood are different. Amen? Amen, hallelujah. I warmly welcome God who exists for himself. You are just so amazing. So whatever he demands from you, you can't say why or how. You say, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Only in the Bible and in Jesus, there is only yes. Truly, truly, that is so. Amen. Amen means truly, truly, I agree. Hallelujah. What does it mean? Truly, truly, I agree. Let it be. I agree with your command, God, 100%. And with such person, there is no such thing as no. Meaning that there's only obedience. There is only submission. Amen. Hallelujah. So first, to keep, defend, and teach the truth. Keep, defend, and teach the truth. For his command leads to eternal life. We must keep his word as is without adding to or subtracting from, but we preach it as is, amen. And by doing that, we have been accused of being a cult, but you must fight the fight, just as with Elijah, who went against the false prophets of Baal and 
the crazy king wanted to kill him but Elijah he said that uh, I am the only one left and they are trying to kill me but God what he said uh, was that I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal so Elijah thought he was uh, by himself and uh, he was worried concerned but um, God said do not worry that for myself I've reserved 7,000 so so even today if your faith does not change and you continue to keep defend and teach the truth and you hold on to this faith then for himself God will preserve you God himself will preserve you for himself and how thankful we must be then and how much would he protect us then amen so whatever you may go through if it is the truth then you must keep defend and teach it unto death amen so too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace so too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace say amen if you've been chosen by grace say amen Hallelujah. Such people. Now for the body of Christ, the church. It says, I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Amen. Hallelujah. So now the church and out of the dispensation of God, the church, which he said in eternity, before creation that where would he preserve and protect his people his souls who are born again in his blood where the the uh, devil cannot overcome it would be the church and that is why he established the church so the church of Christ we must be found in such church for our souls to live amen and if you know this mission that you must have this heart to protect the church be attached to it amen but if you leave on your own accord who is the one who left his position on his own accord it was lucifer satan and it is a satanic act to leave on your own accord therefore amen so unless there is a reason where the church blesses your sending but if it's not that, that we must not only keep, defend, and teach the truth, but also keep and defend our positions. That I will keep and defend my position. Hallelujah. And such people do not live for themselves or die for themselves. None of us, uh, what Paul said, none of us lives for ourselves alone. And none of us dies for ourselves alone. Therefore, absolutely, uh, suicide is unacceptable. Uh, for and a Christian who commits suicide was not a Christian to be uh, begin with, for it is the Lord who lets live, and it is the Lord who puts to death. It's the Lord who lets live, and it's the Lord who puts to death. That is His work. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Hallelujah. 
And for this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is Lord of both the dead and the living. So the dead who are in heaven in paradise and those who are still living, he is the Lord of both. Amen. So wherever we may be in whatever form, our Lord Jesus Christ alone is our Lord as God who exists for himself. If he lets us live, then we live. And if he takes us, then he takes us. Amen. Hallelujah. Whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. But are we those who are qualified to say such a statement that whether we live or die that we be that we live to give glory to the lord and die to give glory to the lord amen i pray every day that i don't want to die um in disease uh, or in pain or in embarrassment or without faith that there are people uh uh who have been used as a good servant but because of how painful their sickness uh, disease is, um, how much pain it brings, they started to uh, question and be concerned. Um, but I pray that even if I'm dying, I want to give glory to God. No, it's not. I'm not gonna be blowing kisses like this, but uh, perhaps just like preaching and then be taken right then. Amen? And that's why I say, um, let us be taken when we're evangelizing in front of Hanmi. I, amen? Hallelujah. How great would that be? That for myself, I let live, and for myself, I put to death. The Lord will do whatever, according to he, what he desires, according to his plans. So whenever he takes us, we must live to give glory to Jesus and die giving glory to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Let us pray.